0: Welcome, Jockey, to Paragliding Panther. Mm-hmm. It's uh, just a great, big honor and privilege to have you on, on the podcast and also this Zoom meeting. Uh, th- this is for my uh, audience who are listening on, on the podcast. We have Jockey Sanderson who does not need any introduction, uh, but uh, still I'm gonna go ahead and do that. He's the person who has taught a lot of us to fly um, be it personally or be it through his, uh, videos and through his SIV courses and XE courses, or just while you bother him while he's having an ice cream, walking around Olu Dennis and you, you stop him and ask him questions and he's always happy to answer them. So, uh, jockey has also done security in flight, uh, the second one, which has been, uh, very, very popular and helped a lot of us to fly better, uh, performance in flight was the first one. He's also conducted a. Course for us uh, in India, uh, in Kamsheed and uh, with Chris. And that was just amazing. And we were, the, we, we were very new and uh, young at that time and your course really helped us. So jockey, uh, you have had 30 years of experience and, and really we are very happy to have you. Thank you very much for coming on board uh, Paragliding Panther. Pleasure Sajid,
1: hello everybody.
0: Great, so uh, I'm gonna start off right uh, off with uh, SIV. Uh, Jockey does SIV as well as XE courses. He does it all over the world, India being one of them. And uh, there is always a fight to get onto his courses. Uh, SIV is something that we have seen him in action in Aludenis as well as on the uh, on the, on the video. But we have the privilege of seeing him and his students in Beer uh, when he does his courses, and it's 100 kilometers is just a normal thing for all the students over there. So. His courses are very popular and always a fight to get into. So Jogi, uh, I want to start a question uh, about SIV. We're uh, going to go straight into, uh, into the thick of things. And uh, this is meant for pilots who have just about come out from the pilot school. Uh, they've learned, they've done 30, 40 hours, they have a wing and they're learning the thermal, they're doing ridge soaring. But when do you think is, is SIV necessary and why is SIV necessary?
1: It's the age-old question, really. Um, It's not... It's always helpful. Uh, SIV is to give you security when you're flying a glider, um, when you're flying cross-country, and it frees up your mind to focus on good things like finding Mm lifts, because you know how to recognise the stall's spin point, and if it happened, you knew how to get into it and Mm -hmm. out of it. Um, So it's just sort of... (sighs) Eliminates an element of doubt or fear that you have in, in a flight. It doesn't take it away by any means. Um, generally it's all about your attitude and it's about your attitude when you're ready. So there's no, um, absolute time. Uh, I would say the optimum time is 40 hours into flying. You've now started to broaden your concentration. You're now relaxing a little bit more. You're now looking for different stimulus um and you now f- have a path you whether it's cross country whether it's soaring whether it's acro wh- you know whatever path you now are starting to walk down a road um and at that point when you're starting to do cross countries or if the glider you feel the glider is holding you back a little bit um then that's when you do an siv so and that normally is around 40 to 60 hours of flying but it depends on, how you fly, because you could fly on the coast, you fl- could fly in beer, um, so they're different styles. You know, 40 hours on the coast is very different to 40 right. hours in beer. Right. Um, but yeah, but you also have guys that, are, that have they've been flying for five hours, they're so hungry, so stimulated, they're used to high-pressure stuff because they, they're mountain climbers or they're something else, um, and they just want to learn, and, and you could do it in five hours if you, yeah. if you want. Uh, In fact, the less, the earlier you do it, the more blank canvas you are, and the more you just do what the instructor says, which generally keeps you safe. The later you leave it, the more you get bad habits and you react when you shouldn't, things like that. So the earlier you do it, the better. But we're looking at anything from what we say as a minimum, you know, if they're really hungry and a good learning profile, they can do it at 10 hours. But uh, we normally say the best is about 40 hours minimum. Um, Anything upwards from that um, is generally the goal. And uh, an SIV should be fun. It's not, it should be scary, but uh, a positive scary. It's like being on a roller coaster. You know, it's going to be, but as long as I do the right thing, as long as I listen accurately, I'll be okay. That's what it should, and it should, you should go away with a huge amount more confidence. Than, than so, when you started.
0: so that brings me to that question is you rightly pointed out that you go out with a lot of confidence and also the fact that if people come in with lesser time they're a blank canvas I happen to do it at a much later stage uh, stage in my flying uh, career and uh, you know what happened to me was I got spooked before the SIV and I got spooked only for full stalls and I always think that my glider is going to full stall, even in a little bit of a turbulence, and it took away about an, a year, year and a half away from my flying, so I would just fear set in, and I would just go and land the moment I would be in, in trouble, and then I did the SIV, and I did the full stall, and now I just, you know, full stall means just nothing. It, I mean, of course, I don't want to take away the, the, the value from it, but it makes me a lot more confident in, in flying new gliders and trying a full stall by myself. Uh, so the confidence goes up for sure, but does it also happen that people, uh, get come back spooked? Because we have seen a few cases where probably it's not been done well, and they've come back saying that, no, this is not for me.
1: Um, yeah, well, that's a bad course if, if, if if it's made you we design courses to make you more confident, not make you worse, but it, it is a catalyst. I will say that. Um, and so sometimes. You, you have to approach an SIV course hungry to learn, to, to right. s- soak in the information, to do it, to practice, to do it. If you go in there already scared, already not enjoying flying, and then you think, well, I'll do a, I, I don't really enjoy flying, so I'll do a course to make me confident, you're doing it at the wrong stage. And so it's important that you have you're, you're at the right frame of your career, your flying and you're a sports person and you right. know when you're in a dip or when you're in a climb and you think, right, I'm, it's holding me up. I want to learn more. It's really exciting. Let's do it. You know, a bit nervous about stalls. Everybody is. No one would will say they're not. Um, um, but, you know, I need to master it. And, uh, and that's the attitude to have. Not, oh, my God, it's probably going to go wrong. I'm going to make a mistake, you know, because right. you will make a mistake. And yep. so, you know, you'll have a bad time and you won't like it. But then. If you think about that, in the long term, perhaps that is a good thing because it's forced your decision early before right. you make a mistake and, and have an injury. So some people flying, it isn't for them. But an SIV should be um, confidence building. It should give you confidence, in not only your ability to control the wing, but the confidence in the wing itself as well. And that's a, that, that's, that's a very important good. thing.
0: Exactly, that's a very good point. So every time anyone moves on to a different wing, an SIV is a must because you also... No.
1: No? No. Save your money. Um, I I could say it's a must, yeah, and we'll all (laughs) make more money, but not really. What you've got to remember is the feeling. So the feeling uh, you had with the glider you did the SIV course with um, is the same feeling with the next glider. It might have more of a shooting tendency. It might roll faster, but the feeling of it going is the same feeling. Whether it's uh, 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 EN A or B, the feeling is the same. So your reaction should be the same. So you can fly a glider. Yeah, yeah. And you can really push it into turns or whatever. And if you feel it start to spin, just back off a little bit. Let it dive a little bit. Give it some speed. Give it some control and carry on going. It's that feeling you've got to learn. Um, To be perfect at SIV with every glider you buy. uh, It's not. It would be really helpful if you could. Yeah, uh, but it's not necessary.
0: necessary. Okay, got yeah. that. So I understand that that that's the point that you do. So I recently started flying a C. I also have a acro wing, uh, which is END. and uh, to get away from my fear of stalls, I went to Olo Dennis and for three days I just stalled the glider. And brilliant. I just wanted to just get over it. And now it's just you know I do helicos, I do sats, and I do all the stuff. And I and I learned helicos uh, by myself in Olo Dennis. and it was just brilliant watching watching all the videos, of of course. But the, but what you rightly said is, yeah, you need to know the feeling because I just, uh, at my home ground, I just stalled the wing to the stall point and beyond, the C1. I'm flying it for the first time. And you're right, it is just about the feeling. And once you know that, you know that you have the confidence. So uh, there are a few things that you have said. These are golden words that have. That I'm just going to read them out. Uh, on, on speed bar, you have said that reacting to what you got recognize things before they happen. Right? So that, that makes yep. a lot of sense, even though, I mean, it's it just makes so much sense that, you know, recognize things before they happen. And that's why in SIV, you know what's going to happen to your wing. Yes. And that, that is really the key of, of learning about your wing. You don't need to, you know, the feeling. Right. Uh, it also builds the trust in the wing as well as the trust in your uh, your ability to control the wing so uh, yep. that would make you a lot more confident to fly the same thermals in your home ground like when i go back to kamsheh uh, in india those thermals now seem a little bit more uh friendlier and not as spooky for to me uh w- would you agree uh, Sib? would do that or definitely would, uh, definitely it, and it won't make it like overconfidence to really go there okay i got this man i i have stalled the glider but there has to be respect for uh, for those thermals and for the condition that you fly, because high winds in calm shade versus beer is just low winds for us.
1: Yeah, but what you have is you have got to be careful. There's two. There's two scenarios there. One is the positive, which is when you do SIV, it's quite you know, or any uh, acro, or any maneuvers, it's quite. Uh, it's, what you're doing is quite scary, but you know your performance curve goes up to okay. match that. And you're high, and it should be not windy, it shouldn't be thermic, it should be very neutral. Um, but then when you, you're you so confident in your glider and your ability to control the glider, when you overlay that in a familiar environment like Camshape, back on a home right. um, site, you become a lot more confident um, because you suddenly are overlaying one on top of the other, and your confidence goes right up. But... Some people come back from an SIV full of confidence, especially if it's a coastal site. And um, it's, you know, they, they're soaring and soaring, and think ah, oh, yeah, bored now. I'm either gonna get a land or I'll put in some massive wing overs, because I've done those.
0: Right.
1: And they push it a little bit too much because they're overconfident on their site, because it's yeah. very familiar, and they're overconfident in their ability because they've just done an SIV. And that's when the accidents can happen. Um, so you have to sort of temper it. Um, but definitely, the, the thing that is amazing is when someone has done an SIV course, they will normally always, when they go home, they'll fly further. They'll stay in the air longer. And by staying in the air longer, if you're in wind or flying cross-country, you'll fly further. The reason they stay in the air longer is because their mind is more relaxed. The more stressed you are, the more exhausted you are, the more quickly that you make a mistake. Whereas the more relaxed you are, the less mistakes you'll make, therefore, the further you'll fly and the further you'll spend in the air, which right. is part of SIV. By freeing up that fear, that doubt, that negative energy burning away, you actually elongate your time relaxed in the air. And that's right. what it's for. Your secondary learning from an SIV is just as important as your primary.
0: Perfect. So so it's it frees up your time to Understand what's happening around instead of paying attention to the wing and worrying what's happening yeah. to the wing, and because you know you've done that and you're, yeah. you can recognize when it happens, right? Uh,
1: uh, moving on to because the because if you look at if you just uh, just confirm if you look at a um, when we're guiding for example, or when okay. when uh, you're competing um, or you know just when you're more and more familiar with flying, we're we're not looking at our gliders controlling the wing. We're looking down. We're chatting. We're changing radios. And if it's competition, you're checking on your other podcast pilots and you're not even thinking about the glider. That it becomes instinctive. So the minute it shoots, you're on it within a second, nanosecond. And you're feeling the rises if you're at speed and you're feeling it before it even comes. And if it needs a quick reaction, you're in there. But if it doesn't, you don't touch it. And you're efficient on your glide and then you're straight into the thermal because you know exactly where it is. And it's that decisive um flying that makes you fly a lot faster and a lot further but it's also it's just like anything else when you're learning something the the tension is very narrow and you get exhausted because it's intense but the more you relax the easier it becomes and the longer you can stay in the air and that's what all pilots have got to learn to do you've got to train yourself to stay in the air for five hours right you can't do it straight away no way so you think you've got to come you soar up and down for an hour and you think, I'm done. Whether it's bored, whether it's fatigue, whether it's toilet, find out what it is, yeah. answer that next one. And then just elongate every year, get longer and longer. longer. That's really stay, important.
0: Stay in the uh, air for longer and maybe do a little bit XE and come back and learn the way. Yeah, a right. challenge. Challenge, yeah. So I, I remember the first thing that you uh, did for us in Kamsheed when you arrived, we were the rich flyers. And the first thing that you said was, I need you guys to go to that, uh, the, the ridge in front, which is not very far and come back. And we had never done that before. We we never knew the, that thing, but that changed a, a lot of our view. A lot of pilots started thinking, why didn't we think about this before? And you know, we can travel. So now we do a lot of uh, really? and uh, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. And I also did my first 107 in beer. So I stayed in the air for six hours. So yeah, I understand it cannot be done. It has to It has to start progressing. Uh, uh, Jogi, I want to touch upon a, a very important topic again, uh, which you do in SIV, and that's speed bar. Yeah, a lot of people shy away from using the speed bar in uh, when when flying. Why do you think that that is? I mean, speed is good,
1: right? It's speed is good, um, but there's two things. First of all, that all through their training, they they were told speed bar or oh, be careful of turbulence. You have a massive deflation. Rah rah rah. So there's always that fear of what would happen if? Um, that's the chimp protecting them. But also, then also, when they're learning and they try speed bar, they're using it on a glider that's not very efficient. So as soon as they touch speed bar, they just And so when they've tried it, it doesn't really work. So when they get newer gliders, they're not re- they're not really willing to use it because their memory is it doesn't really doesn't not that good. Um, but as the gliders are becoming more and more evolved and better, the use of speed bar is advantageous down to level B wings now, um, and even A some, just depending on the way in which the bar comes down, the way in which the speed is put on. So speed bar is good. Um, it's obviously better as you get higher aspect ratio and a better performance. Um, but speed bar, you shouldn't be afraid of using. And what I would say is use speed bar more and more and teach your chimp that it's fine. And then after a while you'll use it just to be more stable or to get somewhere more quickly, it's fine. And you don't have to pull full bar. People think, oh, full bar. It's not full bar. Right. If you actually push the bar on and you squeeze it on, you flatten and you squeeze on a bit more to keep that pitch correct. And then you look at your pulley blocks. Right, That's what you want to be looking at. Right. anything wrong i, I can actually keep it legs straight but position my hips right. and i've still got about four centimeters so if i need to go really fast i will put the balls of my feet on the bar and i'll push that a little bit further and the blocks will overwrap each other and right. then i've got that extra bit of speed we have turbo power
0: right <laughs> turbo bar, yes right uh so speed bar is good, guys, and you guys, everyone should use it. And uh, so we'll move on to the, to the new one. I
1: would be, I would put one caveat out there. Don't just use it all the time. <laughs> sometimes you don't need speed yeah, bar. Yeah, sometimes
0: you don't. Know. You need to look at the glide ratio and how how that is really helping you. And sometimes it doesn't help.
1: Yeah, I mean, look at your you've got to look at your polar curve. So you know, if you're going downwind, you don't need speed unless it's very sinky. Right. Into wind, yes, speed bar is a better polar curve, better. Um, performance but downwind you don't need it uh, and also um, with speed bar it's all about you know speed bar done badly is worse than no speed bar and you just sat there letting the glider trim itself so you know you've got to train and what where you really really do train well with the speed bar is somewhere like shirt yeah. where you can you've got lovely soarable winds and as soon as you start getting bored as soon as you think mm, i'm going to land now don't Say, right, I'm gonna train and I'm gonna do speed bar, or I'm gonna to fly to the front ridge, or I'm gonna and you give a challenge. And speed bar is a really good one for that. And you think, right, I'm gonna put my speed bar on and I'm gonna I'm gonna have my fingers on in the brakes just in case, but I'm not gonna to touch the brakes. I'm gonna hold the risers, just press, vector the risers, just push them and feel the tension change. And I'm just gonna learn what it feels like. And I'm gonna go bar, and by going into your bubble, you you actually enjoy it more and you can see the difference you're looking at your speed um you look at your ground speed with the gps what does it do does it change go crosswind go downward you know and just think well that's interesting all that sort of training and playing and that's what you do to stimulate your brain before you land don't just
0: that's a fantastic bit bit of advice don't just land set yourself on a task and definitely perfect um yeah while on, uh, still on SIV, uh, we know that the most uh, difficult days or the silent days are the stall days. But other than stall, once people get used to it and then there's euphoria after they land, they're very quiet first, but once they do it, they know, oh, that was great, I got that done. But is there any other maneuver that really is important but is not paid attention to during an SIV? Um, yeah, there's, uh, there's,
1: there's many. But what's happening now, actually, is uh, spiral dives are taking over from stalls oh. for a lot of people okay. uh, because of G force and uh, the fear of locking in and or exiting properly and things like that. Um, and the way we teach stalls is evolving; it's different. You know, we we gently hold up because the brake pressure is less nowadays, and the way in which the wing curves back is changes. So we give the pilot a little bit more credit and to hold the resistance and bring it into tail slide and bring it gently progressively up and manage the dive. Um, and so when people do a stall, the, the importance of it is to tick a box to say, see, the first stage is to say, it's not that bad. You can get it in and get it out and you could use it. And the, the question should be if I really needed that and I was above the ground, could I do it myself? Yes. Should be the answer. But, on an SIV, you've only probably got four or five stalls, and then that's it. So you think, well, all we're showing you is a door and you've walked through the door. But to perfect a stall, you've got to do it hundreds of times to just be able to do it like that. Oh. And to be able to reckon, oh, it's slightly asymmetric, I'll put it back in, I'll come back out, you know, to be so relaxed. But all we're showing you is how to do it, what would happen, and would you use that as a, as a, as a tool in your toolbox before you threw your reserve. You do know, you if I was at 3,000 liters of beer, had a massive cravat, haven't got any twists, I'm all good. Uh, I'd, I'd put it into a tail slide, drop it into a stall, nurse the cravat out, ease it back up and fly away. If I couldn't do that, I'd have to consider throwing a reserve or, or punching the brakes or stalling that wing or whatever other technique. So it's a really good tool to have and it's a good confidence builder. And from the other, the other scariest manoeuvres... Well, depends. depends how much input people do. <laughs> it's a nice sort of scary, it's not a scary scary.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just love the way you explain uh, your words and, and you make it sound easy and I just feel like going and flying, it's nighttime here, but...
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, really, it's really nice, thank you. Uh, shall we move on to... Uh, we, we, we spoke about the spiral dives and nose down the lock, how you want to get out of it and you get out slowly. Uh, we all know that people have to get used to the G's increasing. It's not something that you can again get eventually. Uh, I mean, immediately you eventually have to work yourself and just like how you do with the stalls. Uh, that's yeah. that's uh, what we do. Um, I'd like to move on to the next part, which you do is uh, the XC flying and uh, you hold these courses in Colombia, in India, uh, in BIR, and uh, it's something that is a natural progression from from an SIV course and that makes you fly better and uh, builds a lot more confidence when you can now go from a lot and do a lot more distances and recognize the topography. Uh, What do you think is the most important part in recognizing uh, in being an ex good exe pilot is it recognizing the topography and learning about thermals or it's about your flying style in any condition in, in a thermal how you manage
1: your glider it's a very big question um it all sort of depends on the pilot you the, the pilot has to know themselves and um and that's the key don't recognize what stimulates you uh recognize where you do well and what where you do badly and addressing those those core issues in yourself so you know my my answer will be very different to um another uh, cross-country pilots but um generally we're all in agreement that it's the first thermal is key um to get out get in to the first thermal and get yourself settle into the day and the first thermal is really enjoyable because one it's 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 a well if it's beer it's quite an early morning thermal but if it's other places it's been on the sun um yeah. but that's your tephagram of the day that's your judge of the day so you can see how strong or where the inversion is in the first thermal so quite often you know you'll take off and you want to get a little bit of air time you want a 20 minutes um to relax into the flight to make sure you're happy with where everything is because you could have a radio wrong or whatever um so you need to relax and you go up in the thermal and you just and you play you'll hit an inversion if it's early you'll hit an inversion so you'll never get to base until that inversion breaks True. um and in beer what you do is obviously go back to the back ridge where it breaks through the inversion but i would say focus on your coring and places like Campshire are brilliant for that because you all you do is train and train and train yeah. um and it's all about cadence and getting the right core, getting the glider into the core and keeping the balance correct within. So you're, not only are you keeping the glider in perfect cadence, but you're positioning that to be in the core to make sure you go up as fast as possible. Because this, climbing fast saves you, gets you distance in the end of the day. Right. Because if you can climb fast, you could therefore fly far you're saving time
0: Correct. and
1: it's time it's a t- it's a race against time right during a cross-country flight so you know for example taking off from beer uh, and you think well i want to do 100k today okay. you will never do it because if you're a beginner flyer because you'll take off late you'll fly really slowly by the time everyone is coming back from dharamsala you haven't even got to big face <laughs> because you're flying very slowly and And then everyone starts coming back. Then you go, oh, no, I've run out of time now. I'll have to come back. And then you come back. So it's that sort of learning. Um, What I would say is look at how the good cross-country pilots are doing it. And they always think, well, there's someone to aim for. Um, How can they physically, they're human beings, they're the same as me. How can they go there and back that fast? So that's how much I've got to learn. And that's a good thing. Don't be jealous of it. Don't be envious of it. And don't use it as an excuse. Right. Think, well, <laughs> that is, I love this sport and there's so much more to learn. So take, I would um, get to a takeoff early, get ready. And if anyone's going up, take off. The more time in the air, better. you'll become a much better pilot. And if, if someone's going and you're with them, go. As long as you've got an exit, Go. But don't follow them blind yeah and the biggest danger is if you what happens is we call it the sort of wedge of failure whereby you'll climb with people and you'll get to the top and you'll go together and then their glide is better than yours so they'll get there earlier and start climbing you'll arrive a little bit later then start climbing now they're a little bit higher than you this time they'll set off and you'll think i don't want to lose them i'll set off so you've set off lower than them with a less performing glider. So when you get to the next thermal, they're still higher. They get there earlier, boop, they're up. They're at base before you've even found the core. They've gone. You cannot keep chasing them because you'll land. What you've got to do is let them go, get to base and find your own pace. Find your own pace. Because your own pace will yes. get better right. with time. Right. So you've got to know your limit. But yeah. if you are at base with them, go. Don't waste time, yeah. go. There's nothing worse than people, you know, we often when you're guiding, you you know, get to base right, we're at base, let's go. And then like, oh no, I'll no, just get hundred feet higher, just a little bit higher. So you're wasting time, you know, every turn is ten seconds, times that by hundred Ks, you know, you've you've missed it. Your final glide into the landing field, you missed because you took that extra turn. So it's like, you know, the minute you turn off course, you're wasting time. So you think, do I need to be here? You know, can I get to the next climb? Is it going to be strong enough? Yeah, go, and it, you've got to learn that as well.
0: And that's that's where each pilot comes with their own flying style, and that's where what you need to learn because you might have the same glider two people flying, but one glider, like you rightly said, is gone to the base, and you're still struggling. It's again how you, how delicately and how rightly you understand the thermal and handle it and go along with that. So, so yeah, go to the base and fly, and don't if you're with someone. Just go and fly, and that's your door to fly. And more time in the air, the better for you. That's that's what you said. So that's that's really good advice.
1: Uh, and uh, fly fly with friends. You some people are loners. Some people like being on their own. But I like being with friends yes, that uh, I can play with. Um, so if you've got a good group of friends, fly with some friends that, that stimulate you, that make you happy. Not yeah. friends you're competitive with. Not friends mm. you're wait well, competition okay, but. Not friends that you you know make you feel bad. Right, you've got to fly with people that make you feel good.
0: So we have we have made a community over here of of pilots who are really taking care of each other. We talk a lot, we discuss a lot, yeah. we do a lot of uh, weather uh, readings, and we fly together. But what we find is that the the newer generation don't really come and talk to us. And through my podcast, I'm I'm telling people that you know come talk to us. We'll all fly together. We want to share knowledge with you. We want to. So there's a little bit of hesitancy. And, and what happens is when you're thermaling in the air, uh, they want to copy you. And what they do is they come and park themselves behind you to, to see what you're doing. And then it stops you uh, turning because they're blocking your path. So, and that's when we get in touch with them and say, like, guys, come on, you should have spoken to us. So you're right, fly with friends, fly with people who encourage you and support you and and don't, not necessarily just compete.
1: Which brings- yeah, we, we- we have a policy we've created in our where we fly that everybody's approachable. And um, you'll see if you look at my YouTube channel, we, there is a piece from the British team. And we always make sure that any person, no matter how good they are, they could be the world champion, They have to be approachable and you have to answer a question if anybody asks it anybody at any time, five minutes before you take off, doesn't matter. You answer that question because it's important and they feel included. And as soon as you have that, well, I'm a top dog, I'm not going to tell you, you know, why should I? Then it creates a negative environment and you're now separating. So it's all, you've all got to share the fun and share the love and don't have this elitism because it doesn't there's no place for elitism in paragliding.
0: Completely agree. We we really don't want that either, and that's the thing that we promote in in shit. And we so yes,
1: thank you very much for that. Uh, uh, one thing I would say, you know, if you're with a guy that is, um, you can see that, you know, they, they're the young ones. They're, they're they're following you a little bit. What I always do is I shout to them, you know, and you know, I always I'm quite vocal in the positively vocal. I don't shout right. at people, but you sort of you know scream, Woo-hoo! and it's like, come on, let's go, and that you see them looking at you thinking, why is he talking to me? And you think, come on, there's two of us, let's go. Yeah. And, uh, and they suddenly think, yeah. And you create that positive buzz and then, yeah, let's go. And then the next thermal, as they get there, say, yeah, well done, that was great. And it, it creates that positive. And then they might be ahead next thermal. So, and then you, <laughs> so right. it's, and sometimes what, what's lovely is sharing a flight like that. Right. Even if it's just a 10K flight, doesn't matter, You've, you're not landing at the normal landing field.
0: Correct, yeah, he's landing somewhere else, that's important.
1: Um, there
0: that is a, a, a sensitive topic that I want to touch upon very uh, briefly is... Uh,
1: you're not going to talk about Harry and Meghan, are you?
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, uh, good. A uh, lot of people feel, uh, you know, if you have a port harness, you're a, you're a good pilot. If you have an open harness, you're still learning so you you know there's a, there's a little perception perception that's there and that's the game that uh, people play i see that a lot in beer uh i, I don't see it so much in concert though uh, because we all fly together we're a close-knit community there but in in beer there is a perception have di- have you seen that anywhere else or is that
1: uh well i mean the natural thing is when you're learning you, you don't have a pod and then as you get good you eventually get one right um it's also a financial thing because right. you know you, you've been learning it you've it's cost you 400 500 euros for a harness right. you don't want to change it straight away and then by the time you do you're ready for a pod so there's always that i, I, I where we are you know that you choose because it might be hike and fly it might be different um so there, there isn't that but there is there's quite often a um oh well, pods, you know you get twists in pods yes and things like that to justify why they're not flying one themselves right. Right. um but ge- generally no i mean everyone does their own thing and right. if they wear a pod they have a pod okay i mean i, I always i held off I, we always had supine in competitions right. right in the beginning uh we did have sort of pods but not really and then suddenly when pods came out i i, I took a while to um Thing, well, I'm comfortable in my harness. Why should I use a pod? And then, and then I used a pod, and it was like, whoa, that's <laughs> so much more comfortable. Yeah. And it was nice, and you had all your, uh, you right. know, instruments in front. You could right. see right. them, yeah. uh, and it was cozy, and yeah. so straight away. And cold places,
0: you don't feel the cold. Like just this part. Yeah, it's,
1: it's really. I mean, in beer, definitely yeah. a pod, really, because yeah. you're Makes it you be could awesome. show more things, more yeah. places. Um, You can have your sleeping bag under your legs. You can, um, you know, all sorts of stuff can be stowed in different areas. And it's warmer, much warmer.
0: Perfect. Uh, Your courses for 2021, uh, SIV and XE, I've seen on your website. Uh, That's on, right? If people want to join in.
1: uh, We're doing, um, well, we've had to stop the April in um, Turkey because... Right. They can't go to travel. Yes. Well, they can, but they have to isolate in a hotel. and blah, blah, blah. Uh, So it's cost prohibitive, really. Right. So um, we're doing uh, September, October in Turkey. Right. We're not doing too many XCs this year, um, uh, just because it's just very problematic. Last year, we right. couldn't do any. Uh, well, the very beginning, we were in Colombia and Australia. Right. Um, But we couldn't go anywhere else so until it's completely clear then we won't consider xc because the other thing you've got to consider which people don't which is at this time if you go to a country that your country says you're not advised to go there you have no insurance you've got no cover no
0: no,
1: nothing so you've got to be very careful you've got to do all your research make sure it's all right and when we're doing it commercially we've got to make sure our clients are safe, the infrastructure's all right, and so on. So, you know, that, which is why we're, we're not doing that. We're only going to the places we know. But I, I hear beer is still beautifully flyable, and um, Foram keeps me up to speed on beer. Yes,
0: yes, forum is, uh, she was there in October with us. Uh, That's right, yeah. She was in Kamshed also when we started flying here. Uh, I think uh, we are making a plan to go this month to beer, a few of us. Uh, because now it's, I think it's a little flyable, but, uh, I know the travel situation. I work for an international airline myself and, uh, we are stuck. We are waiting for things to start again. And what's, what's happening is we're waiting for the IATA to come up with the vaccine passport. That's yeah. when the, the travel will start. So it's going to, yes. going to be some time. Although I did see XE courses in B, uh, in your plan. I don't, it's just a plan. So if people are interested, they can take a look at your website and if Yes, definitely. Does I mean, open in in for beef, uh they can join in.
1: Yeah, like what you all you do is you register your interest, right. so uh, uh, your 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 place is safe. So that if you can go, you're you can you're in, right. um, and you basically click and register your interest, and so that we've got oh look, there's ten people wanting to go. So you know, so as soon as the green light is pressed, we're good to go. Um, right. It's better doing it that way than having no courses then suddenly saying, oh yeah trying yeah. to search for people so yeah right. we're, we're saying yeah. we've got beer uh, available um uh forums we'll organizing stefan and debu and they're right. doing courses right. up there um oh. cool and then uh, and they're also planning on doing uh colombia next year we're doing colombia as well and things like that so there are courses but it's later in the year
0: right Okay, last few things. Uh, Flight park. It is absolutely stunning.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Behind you, uh, what yes. you see, the 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 stuff that you have, and I mean uh, all the gliders that you you see, and you, there's a, actually a place for people to actually go and buy. Because in India, uh, we cannot try things we unless we go to Europe and you know try the wings and then we buy. But we just go with what's recommended. Read online reviews. So to see a place that you have made where uh, and you fly from, and it's it's just brilliant. I, I want to one day be there and, and come and see the place. So it's great. Come and say hello. Yes, of course. <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh, in terms of uh, equipment, is it possible for people to uh, order from your uh, from flight park, the things that you have, maybe reserves, uh, wings? Is that- uh,
1: Yeah, you can. Um, I, you can get it much cheaper than going through us in India, I'm sure. Or,
0: <laughs> no we, we have to go through something uh because again the, the customs and stuff okay that's a whole new whole different discussion
1: yeah i mean we yeah. d- it, the thing is when it goes into india that you know if it goes in it, through the correct channels the taxes and then all that's very then it gets held up and all sorts of problems um the thing i mean you've got good channels with india right it, yeah. it doesn't not really beneficial i mean for the flight part we've got we'd love more stock but it's a question of nowadays we haven't got the money to put into the stock for people to try so even even we're at a situation where um you know we you have to say well that's you zero in on your choices and then well, okay i'll go for it yes because you can always sell it can not you in india let's say you wanted a really lightweight glider uh, a lightweight harness and you think oh the super strike and then right. you got in it and it was a bit tight for you. You didn't like it. You can, someone in India will want a Super Strike.
0: Yeah, we can, so, yeah, that's that's what we do, yeah. So I, I've got a Super Strike and uh, uh, it's- Do you like it? Yeah, it's nice. But uh, when I see my friends uh, buy a Super Delight, uh, it's a little bit more sturdier. It feels like, okay, I think it's time to move on to that. So, so yeah, it's always- Yeah, I know, it's-, it's
1: Always something. It's a sacrifice.
0: Their,
1: yeah. yeah. It's a sacrifice you have to make. And it's great when, that is a great example of when you can check, you can, because exactly. here, just behind me down there, right. the harnesses, right. and, uh, you know, you can think, oh, I'll try that, oh, and immediately you get out, and then you sit yeah. in the other one, and go, oh, yeah, oh, that's way better, you know, <laughs> True. but one's heavier than the other, and all that, I, I, right. and you get, but the what happens is, yeah. people fly, they buy the strike, and they like it, right. and then they fly it for a few hours, and they think, oh, no, it's fit, yeah. you know, and then they'll, they'll go for, uh, an osium or uh, a lightness or whatever. It depends on their budget. and But it's amazing how different people are just different shapes and different requirements, really. And that's exactly
0: uh, the reason why I started Paragliding Banter is to share this knowledge because it's difficult for people to really understand what's available without trying. The People who have tried can, can help, and that's another episode that we're going to do. So thank you. Uh, last question. I know we are, we are reaching close to about uh, 40... 45 40, minutes and time has really gone okay. by. So I won't hold you much longer, but one last question. All right, we've really done important. our reserve
1: repacks today.
0: Oh, okay, cool. Okay. we are got to do a line trim next. Yes, that's that's what we do locally over here. Uh, Rohit, a uh, friend of ours, he does that uh, locally at home. So we do our line checks over there with the laser.
1: So yeah. Excellent,
0: excellent. We, yeah. So, um, uh, Jogi, one last question was in thermals we need to fly with the maximum range would that make it easier or do we fly the ma- medium range what's your take on it medium range of what the, glider you, your glider a weight range so if your glider weight range is 75 95 you fly at 93 94 or uh, what's your recommendation
1: uh top third of
0: generally first. okay yeah so
1: if, if, if it's 75 to 95 if you flew at sort of 85, 90, something like that. Okay. You know,
0: that's depends. what
1: it um, But the top top third. So just a, above half. Okay. But uh, not not right at the top. Not right you at know. the top. Okay. Um, because that's the way it's been designed. Uh, quite often, you, the, the pilot will, it's normally designed by medium because uh, medium is the test pilot normally. So anything between 75 and 85 is the pilot's test pilot's weight. And normally a medium is made first so that we quickly get that out. So the pilot's then flying it and it's sitting in that rate. Once everything feels right, um, response is right, handling's right, the last thing they check is uh, the tests because they want to get the handling right, performance right. Then they confirm that, yeah, this is... A B or high B or low B or C, but they had that idea already. No one wants to make a a, a glider that is dangerous that people from lower cl- lower um, abilities can fly.
0: Right. So
1: they they'll get that glider, they'll get it right, and then they'll go scale it up or down. Okay. And then they'll have the other pilot, the test pilots, flying it within the range, right. but they're not at the perfect range. Right. In within the range, right? Uh, and so, if you're doing a competition, for example, you want on a large glider with right. heavily loaded, so you know that's a, that's another s- subject. But I would say, normal flying, you want to be, um, if it's from 70 to 100, you want to be flying it at about 85 okay. to 90, Sorry, something wonder. like that. Okay, all right, cool. They're not. You know, just a top two thirds is is about that. Sorry, I think. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think we have. Say more important than that is being happy on your glide. Don't buy a glider just because it's performance. Make sure you know who you are and where you are in your flying. Because a lot of pilots think they should get a better glider because last year they had this, they need to get a better one. When in fact, their headspace isn't right. They've had a long break because of COVID, things like that. They shouldn't do it. Uh, I, we had a huge problem in Korea because of the, the, the sort of the mentality of the instructors is they thought, um, well, I'm an instructor, therefore I've got to fly a boomerang and a high performance wing. And it's like, well, then they're having accidents. And it's like, you don't need, just because of your position, you don't need to fly a good wing. Um, a lot of us fly, you know. I, I, I've got an Alpina and a Delta. Uh, I fly yeah. that. I don't need to fly a, a Zeno or um, an Enzo. I've got one, but I don't. Sometimes I won't fly it because you've got to know where you are, wh- that, what right. your um, ability um, and confidence level is. So if you have big layoffs, you have to make sure that bubble of safety is, is there. And you can create that by having the right glider. Flying in the right environment uh, and things like that. You're right. But the message I would say to all the pilots going back to flying after big layoff is just be aware of your bubble. Make sure that bubble is big, and decrease it with confidence right. and familiarity. Don't decrease it just because you want to go higher or further or whatever.
0: That's that's. But make
1: sure you get lots of airtime
0: yeah the more the better and you're right uh, when you change your gliders and like i changed from uh, xc to acro and i have not flown acro for a long time i feel a little worried so this i did last week and i was not very happy till i flew for some time and then i became happy so you're right the 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 bubble comes down and you need to really be aware of what is really comfortable for you and fly that way. so thank you very much
1: Definitely. That's,
0: that's Yeah, great. i mean i
1: i'll give you a really good example opposite to what people think in colombia last year i was um we were i was meet director of a competition and um we i was flying my zeno beautiful great graceful elegant i was slightly underweight on it um and you could feel you know it was all quite all right and then i took my alpina guiding thinking it'll be safer it'll be easier i'll be the same speed as the clients and and so that we will fly together there's nothing worse going with a guide and they do that and it was because i was overweight on it it was racier it was a, a lot more dynamic and it, as soon as i touched brakes it would turn whoa 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 okay. you know i was shooting myself when i went <laughs> down a glider but it's all about weight ranges it's all about styles right and, and you're exactly the same when you go from cross-country to acro they're totally right. different uh, beasts and you've got to think right i'm changing gear and i've got to make sure my boundaries of and ready for that gear change take it easy yeah.
0: <laughs> for a few days few t- a few flights and then come back to it that's that's yeah
1: it's, it
0: comes back really quick yeah jockey thank you very much uh it's, it's been, been a pleasure. pleasure and it's an honor to have you on on the chat and for people in india and also everyone to listen to you thank you so much for spend, spending that much time with us And is there anything you want to tell people in India about your course or anything that we want to join you?
1: Uh, Well, Forearm, Debu, Will, and Josh, they'll be up there in um, beer maybe at the end of this year. Everyone's going to be there.
0: Great.
1: I'll be busy, unfortunately, but I'll probably go the following year.
0: Oh, you're not making it. Yeah,
1: just look at the website because Josh is doing courses with Kanan. Right. And then there'll be Forearms, I think, with Debu and... The other guys are up there, so it's, it'll all be fun. And if you ever see them, pop and say hello, yes, just introduce yes, yourselves. So and they're all approachable, anyone's approachable. Yes, and if any one of them are rude to you, tell me directly because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's bad. our sport and uh, we should all share it.
0: That's right. So, again, thank you very much, uh, Jockey, for being on paragliding banter, and it's been a pleasure. And uh, we'll take your advice on on everything that you've shared now. And we'll talk to the community, make the community more safer. Talk to people, do more SIVs, get the feeling right, and uh, do better thermaling, arrive higher, faster, and be comfortable in our flying. So I think we've got that in summary. And I really thank you very much. Appreciate it. All
1: right, take care, everybody.